Hello and welcome to the Cop Ball Watching Podcast. I'm your host Jerry Johnson. The 2018-19 season is now in the books and Liverpool are the new kings of Europe, but that doesn't mean that we're having a break from football. There's multiple tournaments on this summer and in this episode I'm looking at UEFA's newest competition, the UEFA Nations League. The tournament got underway last year and four teams made it through to this week's finals in Portugal. Their hosts Portugal, who'll play Switzerland on Wednesday, and England and Holland, who'll play on Thursday. The winners and losers will then meet in the final and third place playoffs at the weekend. They hear about Switzerland and their chances of success are caught up with Oliver Sessager, who gave me the lowdown on the squad. Here's what he had to say. So, hello and welcome to the podcast, Oliver. And uh, obviously, you're a Swiss fan. I'm going to talk to you then about the uh, UEFA Nations League. Switzerland's in the semi final. So, what, uh, what's the hype been like in Switzerland? Are they, is the, the country really getting behind the team for the tournament or has it been a bit quiet or you know what's it like over there at the minute? Um, it was quiet because the season just ended yesterday so uh, there were a lot there were a lot of talk about uh, um, the promotion and relegation playoff that was played yesterday but uh, the national team has not been the talk of the town so far. This will obviously change but um, uh, for now, it's been relatively calm. I um, obviously I, I'm from Ireland, so there's no um, we're obviously not in this here. But a lot of the media that we get would be UK, and obviously a lot of that's English. And I would say it's it's been very quiet here as well about it. But I was kind of putting it down to maybe the fact that the uh, obviously the all English finals in the European competitions is maybe the reason for that. And I expect probably this week it'll start to get. Uh, a bit more exciting. So, what what would be the sort of situation like in Switzerland? How do they see their their, their themselves in world football as like a as a neutral to, to Switzerland? I kind of look at them, and they always they always seem to be at the World Cup, and um, I think they've been there. Was it like four maybe four World Cups in a row, and they've been in the last sixteen in a couple of them. They always seem to get get there, do reasonably well without ever really sort of pushing the quarterfinals or semifinals. Would that be fair to say, or? Do, the, the Swiss have a sort of different different view on how they how they they stand in world football. I mean, you're probably uh, right about uh, our achievements so far. Um, I or a lot of people in Switzerland see us as a potential quarter finalist, and we were close to be honest. Uh, we've lost to Argentina in 2014 only after uh, extra time. Uh, we've lost to Poland in penalty shootouts at, at the Euros 2016. I remember and. Uh, yeah, it's always been relatively close. Uh, so uh, we could really make the, the final eight of a, of a big tournament. And now that we've made the final four in the Nations League, I think there's some ground to this. Um, and, um, you know, it is usually like uh, your nation sees the national team better than maybe uh, people from the outside. But I think it's realistic to see uh, Switzerland making a top eight in, in, uh, in the near future as it shows right now with uh, our uh, achievement in the, in the Nations League. Mm. It's kind of, I would kind of almost like kind of have you on like a par. It's it's almost a bit like um, a bit like Mexico where it's like, in some, like something like the, the World Cup. I think it's something like seven or eight World Cups. They've always got out of the group, but then they've always got knocked out at the last 16. So it just kind of like it feels like they're obviously a good side, but they just haven't been able to get that next three step so far. Um, the one I remember just whenever you're saying obviously about losing a couple of penalty shootouts, and I think it was was it 2006 that they did they lose to Ukraine in penalties, and they they didn't concede a goal in that tournament, and they were not out. 
That's correct, but please don't remind any Swiss of that game. That was an embarrassment of a football game back then. It was really one of the worst games I've ever seen. Yeah. I think and, I can remember. Uh, and we didn't even score a penalty. We missed all three penalties, and the Ukraine advanced with relative ease. So, uh, yeah, that was really an embarrassment from A to Z. Yeah. Um, so, just uh, obviously, the, the current squad then, um, sort of play- players that I'm particularly familiar, I've always been a big fan of Rodriguez. I know he's at uh, AC Milan now, and it's kind of, he's kind of maybe had a bit of a mixed reception in, in uh, Serie A, but I remember him whenever he was in Germany and always thought he was a really good player. I thought Shar, uh, Fabian Shar, done very well at Newcastle this season. Obviously, everybody knows about Shakiri and Xhaka. Um, Seferovic, I think, did he, did he score five goals in the Youth Nations League? I think it was, and he, he seems to be doing well. But is there, is there anybody like who do you think like the sort of next player? Then who who's um, who are we missing out, out on? You know, and who do you think could be the big stars for Swiss, Switzerland this week? Yeah, just to add to Seferovic, he did not only score five goals, as you said, he uh, only was top scorer in, uh, in the Portuguese league this season. So uh, he really started scoring uh, against our Nations League, uh, second leg against Belgium. And from then on, he scored like 18 goals in 22 games, something like that, something like that number. So he was really outstanding in front of goal. Um, as for uh, other players, um, I would uh, first and foremost say Manuel Akanji from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, still young centre-back with uh, great feet, uh, great strength, great speed, uh, impeccable timing in tackling, and he can play a ball. So uh, he's one of those modern centre-backs, athletic, uh, good with his feet, good in the air, and uh, strong as well. Then we have Nicole Vetti from Mönchengladbach, also a young centre-back. He's probably number three right now behind Akanji and Schaar. Um, as for others, Kevin Mbappu, maybe you remember him. He was uh, at Newcastle when he was younger, and he's now 24, uh, playing for Young Boys Bern, but making the step to the Bundesliga um, to Wolfsburg next season. Um, he's a very strong and very quick uh, right back. Uh, he's like he's, uh, he has now basically replaced Stefan Lichtenstein, who was the captain for so long. And there are a lot of young players in the team. I can also say Denis Zakaria from Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, Gladbach, who has four of our current internationals in their team, with Zakaria Sommer, Michael Lang, and uh, who did I forget? And Elvedi, of course. Um, yeah, and there is, as, as, as I look at the ages right now, there is one player over 30, and that's Jan Sommer in this current squad, and that's exceptional. And, and Jan Sommer is only 30. Everybody else is, is younger. There is one more player uh, that I want to point at is Noah Okafor, who is the first Swiss player born in 2000 to be called up to the national team. And he's a strong and quick winger. Um, he was, uh, he's, he's replacing Braylon Bolo, who unfortunately was injured. And he might get minutes because he's a good counter-attacker. And uh, if we uh, maybe take the lead against Portugal and you need some, someone quick to, uh, to uh, threaten them on the counter, then no Alcofor might be a, a good option there. Okay. And... Uh... Just as well, he also he touched on uh, Brilon Ambolo. What what's uh, is he out injured for for this the, these games? Is obviously is he kind of still seen as the next the next superstar to come from Switzerland? Or also I remember seeing him when he was really young, and obviously he was you know he was quite a quite obviously a big player, and he uh, 
he's one that I thought I, I quite enjoyed watching him. And I was just kind of wondering, like, what what has what he, he been up to now? And I was I think is he still in he's still in Germany? Is that right? He's at He's at Schalke, yes. Yeah. Yes, he's at Schalke. Um is uh, he still, still regarded as sort of as highly talented or is it is his career sort of slow, slow to be a bit with Andre or yeah, the problem was um he was first off he was the uh, record transfer from Switzerland to a foreign league for about twenty five million euros. That put some pressure on him, of course. It was also a record transfer for Schalke, I believe. Uh, don't don't pin me on it, but I think so, or at, at least close. And then in his first season, after about three or four months, he was injured really badly. Um, he missed uh, more than 10 months and uh, had trouble coming back. Uh, it was a slow process to come back. And I think he really misses that time right now. He has lost some of that... Uh, he has a, a light-hearted uh, personality. He has lost some of that. Also, you can see it on the pitch as well. He was a really light-hearted player. Played that tried a lot. And right now, I feel like there is uh, he, he carries the world on his shoulders, or at least uh, the Swiss world on his shoulders right now. And I hope that if he can compete in a full season without any injuries, that he will come back uh, stronger, that he will get stronger. And maybe fulfil the potential that he once once had. Um, so obviously this week then the the UEFA Nations League um, sort of to, to me I think Switzerland are probably a wee, a wee bit unlucky and that they're playing Portugal not necessarily because I think Portugal's particularly the best team in anything but because obviously it's in Portugal so it's technically it's obviously they're the one team that has has an away match in this tournament. What what's the the feeling? Do you, do you think you have a good chance of beating Portugal? It's going to be difficult, that's for sure. Um, we've played Portugal in the uh, World Cup 2018 qualifiers and we beat them at home 2-0 and then lost the away game, which uh, put us uh, into the playoffs. So we're capable of beating them. Um, but this Portugal team is very talented. And uh, as you said, they're playing at home, uh, certainly in front of a, full, of, of a sold-out stadium. And it's going to be tight. But generally, I'm... Trying to be optimistic, I think Swiss media was also quietly optimistic, and the fans as well. You never know; it's just one game. Everything can happen, and uh, the, the Swiss team is quite solidified right now. They're uh, quite—they're uh, showing quite a togetherness, and uh, I think it's going to be a tight game. I do remember, obviously, you're saying there about the the, the groups and the qualifying for the. The World Cup. I remember. Obviously, I think you. I think you were actually the first team. I think you played Portugal more or less just after they had won the Euros, and exactly. uh, obviously he's beat them that game two 0 And then I think you used the juice win go to Portugal, having won nine out of nine in the group, and then they beat they beat used to qualify, and then you obviously played it was Northern Ireland you played, wasn't it? Exactly. Yes, and there was also a, a very tight two games. Uh, we only lost. We only won by a penalty, which wasn't a penalty. Yeah, and I'd say I'd say live in Northern Ireland, and uh, I know like also a lot of Northern Ireland fans, and a lot a lot of them are still 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 angry about that one. But, yeah, um, I still I still get reminders here and there on Twitter uh, nowadays, even uh, two years after after that game. So uh, with, with regards to Portugal, then obviously um, Ronaldo seems to be back in the the fold. Obviously, after he, he didn't play a lot. In the last the last year or two, so are, are you sort of is, there, is it Ronaldo the main the main person to worry about, or is there anyone else in the Portugal team that you're you're concerned about? 
I mean, Ronaldo is certainly the, the big worry. Um, he's maybe the best goal scorer I've ever seen in football. Um, how do you contain the best goal scorer in football? I'm really curious to see how uh, Manuel Akanji or uh, Fabian Scherer play against him. Maybe it's even depends on the on the position he's playing. Maybe it's it's even uh, Kevin Mbappé who plays against him. I'm also a bit worried about uh, Joao Felix uh, from Benfica, who is uh, now seems to be the new starlet. Um, uh, he were, he plays with Seferovic, and they link up very well together. So um, maybe there's something as well with uh, with Ronaldo. And other than that, of course, Bernardo Silva, who's been exceptional this season for City. As whenever I've seen him, he was he has been exceptional this season. And uh, those are the three threats. Um, I'm also looking at Ruben Neves from uh, from uh, Wolverhampton um, to be uh, a good player for them, and uh, yeah, those are those uh, the big worries I have about about Portugal, mainly uh, Bernardo Silva and Joao Felix, and of course Ronaldo. Um, so obviously Portugal do seem they seem to have a, a good generation of players there, but. In, uh, in a perfect world, obviously, for yourself, Switzerland beat them and then they get into the final. Is there any preference as to who, maybe England or Holland, is there anyone that you... Obviously, England have got to the World Cup uh, semi-final in the last uh, last year. Holland weren't in the World Cup, but they do seem to have players coming through and they seem to have improved. So is there either of them that you would prefer to play should Switzerland get to the final? Um difficult to say i mean we're talking a very high level here but holland would probably be a slightly easier in quotations uh, opponent uh, england would be fun to play to be honest uh, just for the banter on on social media and everything and if we play them and if we win against them it would be uh, fantastic for us but uh, if we want a better chance then i'd say uh, i prefer uh, the netherlands so outside outside this, and obviously the um, there's qualifiers and stuff going on because Switzerland are in the 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 UEFA Nations League finals. They don't have to play in this time. But what what's your thoughts on that? Obviously, the group that they're in, the the main sort of dangers for Switzerland are Ireland and Denmark. Obviously, they only have to get into the top two in that. And even if they don't, then they have the UEFA Nations League to fall back on. Like what what are you are you sort of thinking Switzerland should do enough to get in or are you concerned about either Ireland or Denmark? I'm. Yeah, it's a difficult question. I uh, if uh, maybe you saw the last result we did in the Euro qualifiers. It was a three-three against Denmark at home, and we led by three goals. So uh, uh, if we won, if we had won against Denmark, I would say this is almost smooth sailing. Uh, I do not fear uh, Ireland particularly well, but those are the key games now. Because we can draw against Denmark again, we can even lose against Denmark if we become, if we come in second or first, it doesn't matter. But for this uh, to happen, to become second uh, or first, uh, we have to at least uh, win four points from Ireland, and we, that will be tough enough, especially in Ireland. I expect us to beat Ireland at home, um, but away will be a tough game, and that's the next game, by the way. It's in, on September fifth uh, and the fifth uh, match day of of this group. Um, yeah, those are the key games. I don't fear Gibraltar, to be honest. I don't fear. We've already played Georgia. It was a rather easy win, and 
I, I fear mostly those two games against Ireland, although I think that we should at least win four points in those game, in games. Sort of from, from, the, from the Ireland perspective, obviously we, have, we, haven't been, uh, we haven't been that good sort of in the last few while. Um, probably come back as, as far as we kind of felt like we were doing well in the qualifying group for the World Cup and then we come back after the sort of the mid-season sort of break in the group and come back, didn't really do well and then got to the playoffs and got destroyed by Denmark in the, uh, in the playoffs uh, after drawing away we got beat 5-1 at home but sort of the, the, from an Irish perspective it's the kind of group where like, we're looking at it and we're thinking like if we beat Switzerland or we beat Denmark you know, they're 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 kind of like they're not that tier of teams where like there's there's a necessarily a fear factor about like if you go and you're playing Germany, Holland, England, Spain, France, there, there's a bit of a fear factor. They're teams that we like from an Irish perspective. We think on our day we probably could beat them, but at the same time, probably where we stand at the minute and where they stand at the minute, where I think we're probably the third best team in the group, and probably you know results would probably have to win in Dublin and in tends to be Ireland and big matches tend to draw. So it's, to be honest, for, from my perspective, I don't think Ireland's going to do it. I think probably Switzerland and Denmark should be okay. Um, another thing I just wanted to, get to just chat chat to you very briefly. Um, I know that you were, you were says that you were going to the under-20s World Cup, so I just wanted to ask you how you got on. And... Uh, yeah, I was. I was in uh, Poland for five days. I was in Lodz and Bigosz for uh, four games in total. And I, I like this tournament. It's a fantastic tournament. I've, I was lucky enough to watch the opening game, Poland against Colombia, which was in an almost sold-out stadium, which uh, was fun. Um, the other stadium had, uh, had a little bit less uh, people, uh, about, I'd say, on average, 4,000, which is still good. Poland is a really, really football fanatical, uh, f- a football, uh, footballing country. And I had, I had a fantastic time there. I was, I, I've also seen Italian win in real Italian style. So uh, one quality action and then uh, defend for 90 minutes. And uh, yeah, it was really enjoyable, the whole experience. Also with traveling by train through, uh, through Poland was, was great. Uh, meeting people there, uh, football crazy people as well as, as I am. And um, I can only recommend to, uh, to others to go to the Under-20s World Cup if it's close um, to, to where you live, because it's, it's a great experience and you will discover so many good players who probably won't make it at big clubs, but will be good players for uh, medium-sized clubs in the future. And it, it, it is actually a tournament that I do quite enjoy myself. I remember, I remember sort of from, from years gone back, I remember sort of, I can't remember exactly what years it was, but there, there was a sort of couple, I think Argentina maybe won it twice in a row. One of the years they had Messi and one of the years they had Aguero. And I remember seeing them and, you know, thinking they're obviously good players. I remember, I think Messi, we kind of sort of knew a bit about Messi, but Aguero, I didn't really know much about it at the time. Is there is there anybody you thought you saw while you were there and you think that you might be one to look out for in the years, years to come? Um, several. Um, I've, saw, I've seen... Um... Um, uh, seen Uruguay, uh, which I was impressed by, and there was uh, one player in particular, uh, Ronald Araujo, Araujo, I don't know how to pronounce it. He's a centre back. He was very athletic. He only played for forty-five minutes. He went off with headaches. 
uh, he's very athletic, or he was uh, very, he seemed very athletic. And uh, he's already playing for Barcelona, the B team of Barcelona. So he's one to look at. I think um, maybe he doesn't, he can make it quite at Barcelona, but he's uh, a good player, or he will be a good player for those uh, second tier clubs just after Real Barcelona and uh, Liverpool and everybody else. Yeah, um, I was also quite pleased to see uh, the Italians with Andrea Pinamonti up front. He's a good player, although he didn't show much, but uh, you can see in all his actions that he's a great player and he's going to be a, a really valuable player for the Italian side. And those are the real standouts that I've seen and uh, that I will follow to see where they end up. Okay, well... Um... That's everything I have for, for now, obviously. Um, just want to say thanks very much for coming on and um, giving us your insight, as, as obviously as well. Um, all the best of luck to Switzerland, um, obviously against Portugal. I think it's on Wednesday night, isn't it? If you... Is it? It is. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night 7.45 your time. Yeah, so it's a Wednesday game and then uh, Holland and... And England's a Thursday game, so yeah, good good luck and uh, against Portugal, and then either be at the final or be at the third place playoff. Um, good luck for good luck for that as well. And uh, as I say, thanks very much for coming on. It's been great to have you, and hopefully we can chat again. Thanks for having me, Cherry. Yeah, I'd love to come on. Okay, thank you. Bye. -bye. That was Oliver Sesiger giving us uh, his views on Switzerland ahead of their Youth Nations League clash against Portugal on Wednesday night. Um, next up, we're going to go and get the thoughts of Jack Brian, who is an England fan. England obviously take on Holland in the uh, the second semi-final on Thursday, with obviously the two winners then meeting in the finals on Sunday. And the third-place playoff then as well is between the, uh, the two sides that lose. So... Here's um here's what Jack had to say about England's chances. Yeah, Jack. So obviously I know you're uh, you're an England fan. So just uh, have we chat about England's chances in the the upcoming UEFA Nations League. So um one thing I have noticed and I don't know obviously I I'm from Ireland so I maybe don't get the full extent of it. But in the media that I'm seeing, there doesn't seem to have been an awful lot of talk about this UEFA uh, Nations League maybe until sort of today really. Um, do you think that, that that might be because the European finals, obviously the two English teams, the two European finals had four English teams in it, and that might have been a distraction, or do you think that people just haven't bought into the UEFA Nations League yet because it's quite new? Uh, I think it's probably a mixture of both, really. Obviously, with with Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham and Liverpool all playing in the finals last week, that was the main thing, and I'm sure when it comes around to it this week, so the next couple of days now, it will... Like the hype will build up a bit more, but I think the Nations League is sort of like: do you class it as a trophy? Do you not? No one quite knows where it stands at the moment in terms of the ranking. Obviously, it's below uh, the Euros and the World Cup, but how much the teams actually value it, yeah. we don't really know yet. Uh, I think the other thing is: is I'm not sure we've got that inspiring of a squad this time. I think a lot of the the youngsters have been left out, like. Uh, you got Madison and um, Wambasaka both going to the under 21s so they can sort of play all the games there instead of having a bit of a chance here. So it's sort of, I'd say, very similar to the World Cup squad. There's not really that many players that 
really excite you apart from maybe Sancho, Sterling. Obviously Kane's in there, but he's only come back from injury and played the full 90 in the cup final. We don't know how fit he is. So yeah, I think it's just a mixture of things at the moment, really. Mm-hmm. That was actually one of the things that I was um, I was looking at whenever I was looking at the England squad earlier. So I was sort of noticing the likes of, the likes of Fabian Delph was in the squad. Um, obviously, James Madison's one that, that's quite you know quite surprising to me. Obviously, the, the under-21s is, is another interesting and big tournament, and, and Madison's with them. Another one that stood out to me um, whenever I was looking through the squad was Harry Winks. He basically just started at a Champions League final, but he's not good enough to get into the England squad, which I found a bit... A bit strange. Do you think that there's any sort of reason behind that? Or uh, He was out with injury for a little while before the Champions League final, so you could say that maybe he didn't know if he'd be fit, but then again, you've got Kane going. It's, it's a bit of a confusing one. I think Southgate sort of batched the players who got him there in terms of the World Cup, and, and he wanted to keep that core group, and... Delph has had an appalling season at City. Like any City fan will tell you, he's been absolutely terrible. But he is playing out of position there. He's having to play left back. I think he likes the options that he gives him. So he could play left back. He can play defensive midfield. He can play that more attacking role if he needs to. I think with the amount of players that were in that Champions League final on Saturday, we're going to need some players who can play multiple positions because of the fatigue. And I think they've only just linked up with the squad like today like the players who play in the Champions League. So they've not really had time to gel and get back into that pattern for the semis. So I think the gamble on taking more players from the Champions League final would have been we're relying on getting to the final before they have a proper game of it. But yeah, I, I don't really know. I, there's a few weird decisions in there that I don't quite understand. Not many of the players have had a lot of football, so I don't know if you can use that excuse for winks or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously then uh, just where, where you mentioned you, you says about uh, Gareth Southgate and like I, f- I for one thought it was a strange appointment whenever England brought him in and you know obviously they'd done really bad World Cup 2014 they didn't get out of the group Euro 2016 obviously you had Iceland and then all of a sudden the semi-finals in 2018 like do you think that like is that all Gareth Southgate's doing or do you think like is there other factors involved there as well or uh, I think Southgate did well in in making the England team likeable again. Mm-hmm. I think under Hodgson, Capello, maybe even Ericsson to an extent, obviously Allardyce was there, but only for a game, so you didn't really get it. Um, I don't think the nation ever really backed them. But I think now there's a lot of, there's a lot more support behind the England team, even like, games that don't really mean anything you seem to have more people caring about it uh to be honest i don't actually think he's done that well i think we beat teams we should have beat in the euro uh, in the world cup sorry and we lost to belgium twice and croatia once so two teams that were better than us we lost to we scraped past colombia on penalties and then you look at we beat tunisia panama and sweden which you would expect from england anyway uh I think it it was uh, there was a lot of luck involved, but he has got people more interested in England, so you have to sort of stick with him. I don't think there's anyone else better for the job. I'll say that I don't think there's anyone who could go in there now and do better. Uh, that's English because they'll they'll always appoint, appoint someone English after how Capello went. But I still don't think he's as good as people think. 
I think um, part of him, he, it might have been important, obviously, he had been in and around the sort of whole project there. It's, uh, is it St George's Park, obviously, I think, might have, you know, he's been in and around the sort of England group, and I think that that maybe the sort of wee bit of experience, I know he had a bit of experience with the, the underage teams and stuff, so it probably helped in that, that he had that actual international experience before. But um, so on to the game anyway, um, obviously in England play on the Thursday night game after uh, Portugal and Switzerland kick off the, the finals on Wednesday night and then it's England and Holland. So obviously England got to the semi-finals of the World Cup, Holland weren't there, but do you see England as being big favourites then or do you think that Holland have closed the gap considerably sort of since... The last year, they seem, there seems to have been a lot of improvement in the Dutch side. So, like, how do you see that? Do you think that England are favourites? Do you think England will win? Do you think they have a tough game? What's your thoughts? I think if you look at it from the squads and if you don't take into account the Champions League and stuff, then England should be winning the game. But I think there's just Van Dijk and Wijnaldum from the, the, the Dutch squad that were in the Champions League final, whereas we've got seven players and all of them featured, not some like not as much as others, but they all did feature in that final. So I think the majority of them won't start the game against Holland. Whereas I think Van Dijk probably still can play. He didn't have too much to do in the, the final. Obviously, what he did have to do, he did well. Wijnaldum maybe won't start, but I think we've been a lot more impacted by those those European finals. Even like, uh, I know we don't have many players. Or actually, we've just got one from Chelsea in the last haven't we? Barkley, but he hasn't played a lot recently at all. I think, based on like the form of De Litt and uh, De Jong, I think they've got a, a very good chance against us. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say we're big favourites. I wouldn't say they're big favourites. I think it's probably very even. Mm-hmm. The um the, the Darts team sort of from thinking back like traditionally, whenever Holland were obviously at their best before, they're all they always seemed to be kinda like a weakness in defence and they were stronger in attack. But they, this current Darts team obviously you've got Van Dyke, who people are talking about as possibly being involved in the Ballon d'Or. Obviously, um the light there that you mentioned, um everybody seems to be interested in in him as a centre back that was at Ajax, De Jong's just signed for Barcelona. And uh, even then, like he's he's obviously a midfielder, but the um like they're sort of attackers and like their their main sort of attacking threats were like the likes of like Ryan Ryan Babel played a, a fair bit in their uh, their sort of success in the Finnish League. Um, Memphis Depay obviously he sort of didn't really do well at United, but uh, his obviously since went on and uh, he's do he's done quite well at Lyon and and Lyon. But is there is there any of the Dutch players that you're looking at and thinking that they could be a real danger to England or? anything that you're worried about? I think it's... I think Ajax have sort of set the pace for them. So mm. Ajax don't... On paper, you've got Delete, you've got De Jong, but they're not hugely scary players to play. They've got Tadic up front, but it's the way they play as a team. It's mm. that classic Dutch style of football. And you've got Van der Beek and De Jong both in that squad. You've got Delete in there. I think they will base it a lot around how Ajax are playing. Mm-hmm. I think it's more that, that team unity that, that scares me more than anything because you don't fluke getting Ryan Babel to play well. That's not 
he has to be in the right system. He's not going to do it on his own. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's done so well recently for them, even after like, he had a disappointing season at Fulham, I'd say, <clears throat> and he's still done well for Holland. Depay obviously has been brilliant for Leon, and just as good for Holland from what I've seen. So yeah, I think I think it's more of a collective thing. Okay, um, so should uh, should it go to plan for for England on Thursday night? Do you have any preference for the game tomorrow night? Would you rather take on Portugal or would you rather uh, take on Switzerland? Should England get to the final? Um, I've not really thought about that, but I'd probably say Portugal. Mm-hmm. I feel like Switzerland will come and try and shut up shop if they're in the final or something, whereas. Portugal can't do that because of Ronaldo being there. Ronaldo doesn't let a team shut up shop because he'll still do what he wants. And I think that might leave him a bit more open, especially if you've got someone like... Because if we get to the final, then Trent's had a, a a week's rest between the Champions League and that one. If you put Trent up against Ronaldo, I, I'd back Trent in that situation. So I, I don't really mind. I, I'm focusing more on the Thursday game, to be honest. I think if England do go through the Thursday game, they'll win the whole competition. Okay. Um, so obviously the um with the UEFA Nations League, um there's there's places in Euro twenty twenty up for grabs and then obviously the, the qualifiers already started for that. England have got themselves off to a good start. They beat Czech Republic five 0 and Montenegro five one. So like are you kinda looking at that as thinking that these are more or less qualified for that already? I think the Euro qualifying is always weird because I'm pretty sure it's harder not to qualify than to qualify. Like, I think more teams qualify than don't now. So you have to expect that England would be qualifying for that regardless. I think this is more about if we can win a trophy, then it proves that we don't just have another golden generation that don't deliver in the end. I think it's more about getting people... Because obviously you get we got to the semi-finals of the World Cup. People were believing... But then again, we've fallen at that final hurdle. Croatia weren't an amazing team. So it was there to be won. So I think this is more about just proving that we do have the mentality and and the talent in this team to do it. I think it's, it's obviously quite interesting what you say about Croatia. Like if you, if you ever say it to any England fan at any stage, if you could say, you're going to get a place in the World Cup final if you can beat Croatia. You know, like ultimately, the way the game worked out, you know, Croatia, Croatia had a great World Cup, but the, you know they're still quite a small country. There's probably quite a lot of players there that you would probably think, you know, they wouldn't get in the England team. Obviously, they had to sort of stand out. And uh, Modric, obviously, Rakitic had a good World Cup. Um, and Zukic, there was a uh, Perisic as well. There's some of them, you know, had really, really good World Cups, but. Um, I do you think you know? Probably was realistically, it probably was an opportunity missed. Whenever you have an opportunity to take on a team like uh, Croatia, obviously, like we ended up, we seen how France dealt with them in the the final. You know, it was it was pretty comfortable in the end. But um, one thing I also want to ask you, obviously, just before we go and we're talk- still on the sort of Euro twenty twenty subject, England must sort of be thinking to themselves. I know, I think, if I'm not mistaken. The way that tournament works, obviously, it's it's across all. There's like a whole load of different countries that are hosting matches. But I know that if England, if I believe the semi-finals and final are at Wembley, so yeah. you must be looking at that and thinking if England get to the last four on home soil, they must have a great chance of winning that. Um, 
I don't know. I think home soil for England, since we've got the new Wembley, it doesn't seem to matter as much. I think the new Wembley never has never really had that atmosphere for England that I imagine the other countries like home grounds do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd back England to get to the semi-finals definitely. Mm-hmm. I still think France have an unbelievable squad. I think they probably will win it, but I think the Euros next year needs to be about getting rid of sort of, well not getting rid of but phasing out Henderson, Delph, even like the likes of Kyle Walker and getting in like Madison, uh, Wambasaka, players like that. Because the Euros is good, but ultimately you want the World Cup, right? And that's mm-hmm. another two years from the Euros. So I think if you get the young players in now and give them two years, because it's not like you're forcing them in. They are talented enough to play there. Wambasaka has been amazing this season. James Madison, almost every team in the league wants him. Mm-hmm. You're not forcing them in by any stretch of the imagination. You're, it's just more giving them chance to settle in. If you want to build this squad again where you want the harmony and that sort of thing, then you need to create it beforehand. If you are. Okay. Um, just for, just very briefly before uh, before we wrap it up, just wondering, is there much hype in England about the Women's World Cup that's starting? Obviously, England's like sort of coming into it as one of the sort of three or four teams that could win it. Is there is there much uh, is there much being done like about it, or is it is it all quiet so far? Uh, I think, to be honest, because of the European Cup finals and this Nations League, the hype will probably build after it when there's no other football. Like, even the last Women's World Cup, I can remember England being in the quarterfinals and it was like it was a big thing. So I imagine it would be even bigger this time around. Um, I, I won't pretend I've watched loads of women's football, but I watched the last World Cup and I'll be watching this one. Uh, I think everyone will get into it as it goes on. Sort of like when you get people who aren't football fans watching England's men in the World Cup, it'll be like that, but with the men's football fans, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, thanks uh, Thanks very much, obviously, for coming on to the, the podcast. It was quite interesting insight and the, sort of how um, the English mindset ahead of the Youth uh, Nations League. Obviously, I wish, uh, wish you all the best uh, of luck with it and hopefully um, maybe at some stage in the future we'll get another catch-up and uh, another chat on the podcast if you're up for that. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you very much. Cheers from me on. Then on. Thank, thank you for coming on then, okay? Yeah, nice one. Cheers, thank you. That was Jack Brian discussing England's chances in the UEFA Nations League. That's all I have time for this uh, this particular episode of the podcast. So th- my thanks to Oliver and Jack who uh, gave good insight into Switzerland and England's chances. You can obviously watch the uh, UEFA Nations League this uh, Wednesday and Thursday night. And then the third place playoff and the final are both on Sunday. Um, I'd hopefully be back either tomorrow or Thursday with a, a look ahead to the Women's World Cup. Um, I have a couple of guests lined up for that one. So hopefully you'll join me then. And uh, obviously if you can go on the wee, uh, on the wee site and subscribe or um, register. And obviously you can give me... Uh, you can get me on Twitter at GJ Sports Blog and uh, tell me what you think is going to happen in the Euphonations. Like, 
But until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.